0: And welcome, everyone. Hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you are listening to Shaken Awake, episode number eight. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. And look, if you find any value in today's episode, please pass the news, pass the podcast name and link to a friend, family member, or colleague that you feel would benefit from the show and become blessed as you are through the words that the Lord shares through these messages. It's probably one of the easiest things you can do to spread the word. Just pass the resource on and let God do the rest, right? That's what I do just about every minute of every day. Just a note, if you haven't checked out the show yet at www.shaken-awake.com, please do. I've just added more information And also some transcripts of the show for those that prefer to read or review snippets of the show without having to listen to uh, the entire podcast again. Or if you want to share out some of the messages stated on the show to friends, family, or colleagues, go for it better viewed on a desktop, laptop, or tablet, but available on all devices. And as always, I promise you another great show uh, today, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He is always right there with you, even when you think he's not. So let's get ready to invite him in with us right here, right now. And allow him to speak directly to your hearts and minds. So let's get right into the heart of today's topic, shall we? Today we're going to be diving into a very important topic. If you could change something significant about how you live your life to better it, what would it be? Could you change that starting today? The point of today's episode that I really want to hit home for all of you is that although change can be a bit of a mystery, or as I like to call it, a hologram, change is necessary to continue to grow in your walk with the Lord. In your faith, in your relationships, in your life, in your purpose God has for you, in your race He has set before you, and to better your chances of living the purposeful life He's created you to have. Oftentimes, change is the one thing we love to hate, right? Be honest. Let's all admit it right now. When things seem like they're going poorly or just plain bad, sometimes change is embraced and welcomed, right? I mean, if you're going through tough or challenging times, financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, etc., you begin wanting and asking for change to occur, realizing that change is the only way out of your predicament. And if you want to change financially, you look into alternate means of either adding income to your finances, reducing expenses, or both. I mean, that's the only way change, positive change to your financial situation will happen, correct? If you want to change physically, you look into alternate means of living a healthier lifestyle, eating better, eating less, eating a balanced diet, becoming more active, adding nutrition, reducing bad intake, or both. Less consumed and more burn, right? That's the only way change, positive change to your physical self will will occur, correct? Why then do we have people that are unhappy with the way they look in the mirror and or the scale? Want to change their health and physical situation, but do nothing or very little to change? And why then do we have people struggling to make ends meet or barely scraping by? They want change to their financial situation, but do nothing or very little to change. I believe we can throw some logical or scientific suggestions out as to why. Such as, generally speaking, most people do not embrace change. People do the same things repeatedly, expecting a different outcome, which you know, we've come to know as one definition of insanity, right? It's not bad enough for them to want To change. Change is more uncomfortable than the positive results that change would bring about. In other words, the end result, although positive, don't outweigh the pain of the change required. Maybe they're inherently lazy and slothful. Blame everyone and everything for their situation, but don't take accountability for their actions or inactions that keep their situation the same not completely broken, so they feel there's nothing that needs critical fixing this very moment. Or maybe their strategy is hope in that they hope their situation improves with time by something or someone that requires very little to no effort on their part to assist in making the change. Do you see where I'm headed with this? If not, let me put into perspective what we do every day that helps our spiritual situation and walk with the Lord change for the better. Nothing or very little. The biggest question is why? Obviously, I can't answer that for you, but you should. You need to. I need to. I'm not here to preach to you. That's not my intent. That's not my job. That's not my uh, calling from God in my life right now, anyway. My intent is to use God's word and the Holy Spirit's conviction on my life that we need to change because God doesn't. We need to make the changes to our lives that God expects when we strive to reach spiritual maturity. We can't grow in a relationship with him when we do nothing or very little to change. We just showed a few examples using measures in life that are meaningless in comparison to him and his kingdom. And absolutely and utterly pointless in the grand scheme of our eternal destination. When we make efforts to better parts of our life, but do nothing or very little to change to conform to his ways and the direction he wants to lead us to and through in our lives, we're choosing this and that over him every time. The very thing that he looks at, our hearts. My heart, your heart. Are, are our hearts so absorbed into him and living our lives for him? Or are they devoted to something else? Again, I'll, and I'll say this repeatedly, I'm not implying a single thing on any person, or uh, person listener or not. I'm simply asking, and I'm certainly not asking you any questions I haven't already asked myself over and over again, or which the Holy Spirit has not poked and prodded against my heart day after day and night after night. Thank God he did. Otherwise, I'd still be living my old life, thinking all was well in the world with my spirituality and relationship with Christ. The reality is, I had neither. Good questions typically provoke thought, and those thought-provoking moments usually have an effect on the mind and the heart of a person who seeks the truth, seeks to better themselves, and above all, the person who seeks to love the Lord God with all their heart, mind, and soul. Things I've needed to change over the past years may be greater or worse than you. But I'd like to share, if I may, to put this into my own life's perspective. If I seem like I have it together, <laughs> here's the me before most of you got to know me by this podcast. And By the way, I haven't even scratched the surface yet. All of which God has changed me and healed me from completely and fully. Not one of these I did on my own doing. But through prayer and full and total surrender to the Lord. And he's healed me from all. Smoking. I smoked for 27 plus years. I'm not putting you smokers down, by the way. Drinking. Drank heavily for 25 straight years. And I'm not putting you drinkers down either, by the way. Cursing, I use the F word at least three to five times per sentence for over 20 years. Blasphemy, for my entire life, I use God and Jesus' name in vain. Said almost my entire life. Anger, I, I used to get angry more times per day than I could count. From around age, I'd say 18 to 41. I mean... Uh, remember being scared that a situation would occur that my anger would end up killing someone and placing me in prison for life abuse since around 18 I abused everyone and everything I could to gain any advantage in life I could this was for my entire life money rewards promotions etc regret I've regretted most of my life for most of my life could have would have should have but then greed my entire life. I cared only about my needs. I would never dream or dare to provide any help or support, whether physically, emotionally, financially, or other to anyone for any reason. The more I got, the more I wanted, the more I wanted, the more I got hate. Since I was around 18 years of age, I, I hated people. Everyone, almost everything about everyone made me sick. I saw the worst in everything and everyone. To say I was cynical and hateful is a total uh, understatement. I daydreamed about things I would do to someone. I would daydream and create fictitious scenarios that ended in making what serial killers have done seem like peanuts. Lust had more lust and fantasy and Unclean happenings and thoughts, and I believe even Hugh Hefner did. I didn't just need and require change. I needed a doctor. Just so happens, Jesus is the master physician. As he said it best, as he always does, people that aren't sick don't need to go see a doctor. In Matthew 9, verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. In Luke 5, verse 31, and Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. In Mark 2, verse uh, 17, Mark chapter 2, verse 17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The fact is, we're all sick. We all need a doctor, not one, not one of us is righteous. Although we cannot judge other people just because they sin differently than us, we can all certainly admit to some degree of certainty that we need change in the form of repentance. Repentance, unlike the definition of insanity, is not, and I repeat, not doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to be forgiven. That's not repentance. That's deflection, avoidance, denial, repetitive sin, and an unchanging heart. Plain and simple. The changes we need to make if we're honest to ourselves, but more and most importantly to God, our Father and Creator, that we will admit we need change, permanent change. The thing is, we cannot do it on our own. If we could, we most certainly would. Just like Quitting smoking is difficult without help. So is changing of our hearts. In fact, without Jesus, it's literally and spiritually impossible. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. However, we are not. We change from moment to moment. We're not supposed to be the same today and forever as we were yesterday so why do we what causes us to believe that no change is better for us in the spiritual sense than change the enemy that's what from the beginning of time satan's deceived and fooled us starting with eve then adam that we know better than god is that not correct god told them not to do something Satan deceived Eve into believing she would be better off disobeying God, so she did. Then not only did she do that, she helped convince Adam with Satan's help that he should as well, and then he did. What was so bad about what they did? I mean, after all, wasn't it just one fruit from one tree out of a million? No, it was the cost of disobeying God. It was so bad that all of mankind, starting with them and continuing right up to the present moment that you and I are in, have been and will continue to be cursed. This exact one simple sin caused a need for Jesus to come and save the world. Those that are willing to believe in him and change, or in other words, repent, which is to permanently change after realizing your fault and sin against God. So if that one sin was bad enough to change or alter the direction of the universe for all mankind, what is your sin and sins and my sin and sins do for us as we're each held accountable for our sins? Who has given us the right and authority to dismiss the need to change and repent? Satan has and will forever try. He's not called the angel of light or the great deceiver for nothing. His two greatest lies ever told and which are believed are that A, he doesn't exist. And to those that do believe he exists, his other lie. He says, you have plenty of time to get right with God. Thank God that God's truth is greater than Satan's lies. The greatest change that's required and needs to happen is inside of our heart. For as the Bible states, love covers a multitude of sin. Love is from the heart, and we only love because he first loved us. When we understand the compassion of our great physician, shepherd, and savior, Jesus Christ, our hearts are changed in two ways. First, we want to return to him and be restored. Second, we feel compassion for fellow sinners and want them also to return and be restored. That's the second of the greatest commandments, love your neighbors as yourself. So if you're a sinner and your soul is sick, come to the physician who loves you and has compassion for you, who can heal you and forgive you of all your sins. And if you've already done this, then have compassion on other sinners and let this compassion move you to help them do as you have done and be cured. We all understand that before we can be cured of an illness, we must desire to be cured. Oddly, some sick people don't want to be cured and almost seem to cherish their illness or what it is that's causing them. So an alcoholic who won't give up the booze or a lung cancer sufferer who won't stop smoking or a person going deaf who won't wear ear protection or a person going blind who won't use their eye drops. Or someone with high blood pressure who won't take walks or an obese person who won't make dietary changes. Some people likewise won't seek the cure for their sins. And this is very, very sad. We have to humbly and helplessly turn to Jesus, who alone has the remedy for sin. I hope you have done this or will do it. Jesus, the great physician himself, has given us the following exact prescription to follow in order to uh, for change to happen. So the first uh, prescription is hearing Christ's word. That's the first prescription. Romans 10, verse eight to 17 reads, in fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah, the prophet said, "'Lord, who has believed our message?' So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Matthew 7, verse 24, it refers to building on a solid foundation, and it reads, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a rock. Believing is the second prescription, having faith. Romans 1:16 through 17 reads, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has a life. Who remembers John 3, 16? It reads, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that Everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Repentance from sin is the third prescription. It's change. It's what today's podcast message is all about. In Romans 2, verse 4 to 5 reads, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Romans 6, one through two reads, well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Luke 5, verse 31 to 32 reads, Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call those, called not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Confessing Christ is the fourth prescription. Romans 10, 8 through 10 reads, In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Matthew 10, verse 32 reads, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Being baptized into Christ's death is the fifth prescription. Romans 6, 3-4 reads, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Mark 16, verse 15 to 16 reads, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Ongoing ongoing commitment is the sixth prescription. That's ongoing commitment to change. Romans 12, verses 11 to 12 reads, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Lastly, Luke 9, verse 62 reads, but Jesus told him anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I'm gonna repeat that one. Luke 9, verse 62 But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Sad part is the world and those in it believe in change big time, except it's changed to benefit them, not God, his kingdom, his purpose for them, or their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yet they spend countless hours and money on change. The world believes in change. Just the wrong kind. I googled the following phrase. Motivational quotes on change. And here are just simply a few of the quotes from pictures that appeared from the 99 million. I kid you not. 99 million results. The first is the first step towards getting somewhere is to decide that you are not going to stay where you are. The next Life will only change when you become more committed to your dreads than you are to your comfort zone. The next is knowing you are becoming someone you can be proud of. There is no greater motivation than that. The next was, in life, there are some things we might not really get over. Sometimes the best we can do is just get through. But that's okay. There's still a lot of beauty on the other side. The next was, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. That was Socrates, by the way. The next was growth is painful. Change is painful, but nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere you don't belong. Next was don't be afraid of changes leading you to a new beginning. The next was I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change I am changing the things I cannot accept. And finally, and I'll stop here is if you do not change the direction, you may end up where you're going. So I'll again, I'll stop there enough said. The the enemy is disguised always as the angel of light, as evident in those motivational quotes on change. Are they wrong? Not for the most part, no. Are they biblical? Not for the most part, no. Do these energize us and uh, motivate us to make change? Perhaps, And, and for the most part, yes. The thing is, not one of them is any more powerful or truer than the words of God on how we should live our lives or make change to live a life that's pleasing to him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. What changes are needed today to make that statement a reality and come to life one day? I cannot answer that For you. I'm too busy working on that for me. Whoever wishes to be my follower must deny his very self, take up his cross each day, and follow in my footsteps. That's Luke 9, verse 23. Did Jesus really mean what he said there? Yeah, he was serious as his father, God, who spoke that to him. Guys, I chose this particular title. For today's podcast, which is in the form of a question. I'm going to state it again and re-ask the question. If you could change something significant, significant about how you live your life to better it, what would it be? Could you change that starting today? And now I'll end with one final question. Will you? So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. And I I hope you were touched by God through today's message and scripture. I'd like to ask you a favor only if you received any value out of today's show. Would you tell at least one person you know? Call them, text them, email them, talk to them, tell them to give the show a listen. It may just help them in their walk with Christ. Also, I really need your support. If you could do me a huge favor, would you go right now to whichever podcast app you're listening through today? Just give me a quick star rating, click of a button. And if you want to go the extra mile, not me, but for Christ, put in just a quick review. It takes 15, 20 seconds. I'd love that help and support for you guys. And it'll allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reach even more lives and listeners through this broadcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact. Or you can email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com com, or even call or text me directly for any reason. My direct phone number is 407-493-3208. Again, that's 407-493-3208. I want feedback. I'd love questions, ideas, suggestions, requests, criticisms, corrections, all of it. And if you'd like to be a guest of the show, please reach out to me as well. If you have a life or eternity changing story you'd like to share, please let me know and I'll schedule you in. We don't hear enough of the truth these days or the positive ways of God and Jesus Christ these days. And this podcast, with your help, is going to help change that up. I would love your help with this where you can. So next week, tune in next Sunday evening or whenever you're able as we dive into another important topic of the day taking our eye off the prize and living each day as though we've got a million more. In any event, next week's episode is another do not miss episode. So until next week, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all.